Hey, good morning, Boker Tov. Uh, before we begin, just a uh, service announcement. I will not be here next week, next uh, Tuesday. I have to travel, so I will not be here. So if you're not on our mailing list, first of all, get on our mailing list so you can be updated. Those who may come next week who aren't here this week should be on our mailing list. But please let people know if you know they're not here now that we will not have Shir next week. Okay, we dedicate our learning. For all holy Yisrael, all those who are ill, may they have a speedy and painless recovery. In particular, please have in mind Rabbi Maskowitz, Rabbi Gavriel Pinchas, Ben Devora Zlata. The Shabbos, we have the privilege of reading Parshas Peshalach, Shabbos Shira. The Shabbos is known as Shabbos Shira. There are many menhagim, a lot of different customs and practices associated with the Shabbos, the Shabbos of miracles, the Shabbos in which the miracle of the splitting of the sea took place. We left Egypt. Just as we thought, we were stuck between a rock and a hard place. The Rebono Shalom came and answered us once again. A miracle came seemingly from nowhere, unexpectedly. And uh, hence we have Shabashira. Meaning on Shabashira, the one that most people know is to feed the birds. You put out crumbs. Many people are familiar with this minog. It's a big question whether it's a proper minog. The Muggin of Ram, Rav of Ram Gambina writes, it's wrong. You're not allowed to feed animals that don't belong or don't depend on you. If you have your own domesticated pet, you're allowed to feed it. But animals that aren't yours, you're not supposed to feed on Shabbos. It's halacha in Shabbos uh, for whatever reason. So the Magen of Ram came along and said, this minag of Shabbos here, of putting out food for the birds, it's wrong. Why do we put out food for the birds, by the way? A lot of different reasons are given. Some say because the birds sang Shira too. Even the birds were singing that Shabbos. Uh, even the birds were singing that day rather. So we reward the birds. We include the birds on the Shabbos that we recall the Shira. Others say it has nothing to do with the Shira, it has to do with the Mun. That just as the Mun fell from heaven, so too we bring the birds, Mun from heaven so to say, by bringing crumbs. The crumbs are reminiscent or symbolic of the Mun. The Magen Avram was against it. The Tzitz Eliezer, Eliezer Waldenberg has a fascinating tshuva. Again, I want to get to the Parsha, so it's not our topic for today. But the Tzitzeliezer has a long tshuva where he debates this Magen Avram. Is it correct? Incorrect? What should you do? But it's fascinating the premise of the Tzitzeliezer and he says this in a number of places in his tshuvas. He begins his tshuva by saying, I remember in my youth, here in Yerushalayim, seeing great tzaddikim, seeing great righteous men and women, Talmidei Chachamim, who embraced this minag of feeding the birds on Shabbat So it's impossible for us to say categorically it's usr. Right? You see the difference between the way that halacha is often thought of today and the way that real gedolim thought of halacha. Today, people have no problem taking on nuchamra and saying, yeah, my ancestors had no idea what they were doing. They weren't as firm as I am. They were, they were ignorant. They weren't as scrupulous as I. Whereas the Tzitzeliezer not only hesitated, but refused. He would never say that the minhagim he saw among the righteous people, the Talmidei Chachamim of his youth, was wrong. He would try to find a way to defend it, and that's what he does in terms of Shabashir. So if you have the minute of throwing crumbs to the birds, there is uh, certainly upon whom to rely. Parshas Bishalach, page 366 in the Art Scroll Stone, Chumash. Vayihi Bishalach Paro. It was when Paro sent out the Jewish people. Did Paro send out the Jewish people? Who sent out the Jewish people? God did. The Rebono Shalom performed miracles. And as we spoke about last week, he used those miracles of the ten plagues as a form of education. He used those miracles to educate the Egyptians and the world and us until today about his hand of providence, his dominion of the world. 
So here we begin our parasha this week, not, not by identifying or acknowledging the Ribbon Shalom, but rather by he Bishalach Paro, when Paro took them out. It doesn't make sense. So the Medrash says the word Bishalach has another interpretation. The word Bishalach can mean to send out, and the word Bishalach can also mean to accompany. According to the Medrash, it wasn't so much the Parsha begins by saying, Paro sent them out, but that when they went out, who did they take with them? They took Paro. You see, God had successfully taken the Jews out of Egypt, but what He had yet to do was take Egypt out of the Jews. Which explains, again, I want to study later in the Parsha, but it explains in a moment when they arrive at the sea. Alright, we'll skip right to that. Right? Paro has a change of heart and uh, takes his people and pursues the Jews. His heart remains hardened. Despite all that he had endured, despite all of the catastrophe visited upon his people, Paro nevertheless remains obstinate and stubborn and says, I want him back. I'm not ready to let him go. He doesn't know how to cut his losses. So Paro begins to pursue, but he's throw a panic. And what do they do? They do what we would be so proud of our children for doing. They do what we've been taught and educated to do. What do they do? It's not a trick question. What do they do? Okay. I guess this is a monologue. What do they do? They daven. They daven. They're stuck between a rock and a hard place. They're stuck between the sea in front of them, the Egyptians... They're, the Egyptians aren't just an enemy. Right? We, unfortunately, tragically have threats around us. Two rockets from Syria landed in the north of Israel earlier today. We have threats that surround us. But this wasn't just any enemy. This was the very oppressor or persecutor who for more than two centuries tortured them. They had to be liberated, not only physically, but they had to be counseled. They needed, to be, they needed therapy. They needed to be liberated psychologically from the torment of the oppressor. This was not any ordinary case of perceiving a, an enemy coming after you. This would be... Yesterday was the 70th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz. I saw an incredible video online of uh, 15 survivors. 15 Auschwitz survivors standing in Auschwitz yesterday singing Hatikva. It's an unbelievable image. It's an unbelievable image. So uh, imagine Chas V'Shalom, those who are in Auschwitz. The Allies come, they think they're being liberated, they begin to walk out of Auschwitz, and they're attaining their freedom, and what do they see behind them? Suddenly, a group of Nazis, commandants of the camp, coming after them, SS men. It's not just that the threat has revived, it's who is the threat, the very same tormentor, the very same oppressor. So the Jewish people are rendered paralyzed paralyzed by fear, by hopelessness and by helplessness. So what do they do? As I said, what any of us have been trained to do? What we should be acknowledging in a positive sense that they do. What do they do? They daven. They turn to the Ribbono Shalom and they cry out. And what's the Ribbono Shalom's response? What does Hashem answer? What is the Pasuk? Matitzak Eli Taberah B'nei Yisrael Thank you. Page 370. Right, so the people are turning to God and they're crying. And God turns to Moshe and He says, Moshe, 
Machatakalai, what's all the screaming? What's all the davening? What's all the Tehillim zugging? Dabero B'nai Yisrael Visa, what are you doing? Stop davening, close your Tehillim Visa, and start walking. What do you mean, what's all the davening? What made God, what made the Ribbon Shalom hear the Jewish people after two centuries of persecution? What did God hear in Egypt? He heard their cries. The catalyst for the redemption was God hearing their davening, their sincere, authentic cries. So the very same cries that began the process of leaving Egypt, now God is critical of those cries. Why are you crying? Start walking, V'yiso? So I thought perhaps the V'yiso is the direct response to the Vayi B'Shalach Paro. Because God looks at this people who have now been liberated physically but remained enslaved mentally, who feel that they're not worthy or live with paranoia and insecurity, who feel that they don't deserve a better future or that they are incapable of creating that future or forging their destiny. They've taken Paro with them. Even before he was in pursuit, even before he turned around and saw them there, they saw him there, they had taken him with them. They took Paro with them. And the Rebbeinu Shalom understood there was only one way to purge Paro from their psyche. And that would be for them to do something to forge their own destiny. Not in a passive way, but in a proactive way. Start walking. Be part of your own redemption. Show faith. Show courage. They had begun to do it in Egypt when they painted their doorpost with blood, having slaughtered, what I wanted to get to last week that we never got to, having slaughtered the very deity and God of the Egyptians. Four days, four days they tied that animal, that deity of the Egyptians, to their bedposts on the 10th of Nisan, which happened to be Shabbos that year. That's why we call it Shabbos Hagadol. The day they showed that courage was Shabbos, the 10th of Nisan that year, when they took the animal that was the God of the Egyptians, they tied it to their dead bedpost. The Egyptians said, what are you doing with our God? Oh, in four days I'm going to kill it and take its blood and smear it on my doorpost so that the real God will skip over my house when he comes to kill your children. That takes a little courage to say to your master who's enslaved you for 210 years, right? So they've shown some courage. But now the Rebona Shalom wants them to show more. Be an active participant, not a passive spectator to your redemption. Be so... There are moments that you can't stand and daven. There are times you have to close the tail and you have to do it. And I think this represents, I want to get to analyzing our psukim in a moment, but this is a fundamental Jewish principle that we, we daven to Hashem in two ways. We daven to Hashem with words and we daven to Hashem with action. We daven to Hashem when we talk to Him, when we communicate and articulate our hopes and our dreams and our needs and our wishes. And we daven to Hashem through our deed, through the courage and bravery it takes to put one foot in front of the other and do what we have to do. If we're worried about the future of Israel and its safety, if we care about Jonathan Pollard and his 30th year of prison with his failing health, if we care about whatever social action issue, then we don't just daven, we daven with our words and we daven with our deeds, with our actions. V so. And you have to do both. If all you do is establish, if all you do is is take initiative, but you don't ever talk to Hashem, that's a lack of faith. If all you do is talk to Hashem, 
then you're a Scientologist. Then you're sitting on the couch refusing to go to the doctor because you say, if God made me sick, if God makes me to be better, I'm just going to say to him all day and he'll make me better. We don't believe in that. I'm bound like that, but we don't believe in that. We believe he's so. You're sick, you go to the doctor. You take antibiotic. You also include in Rifa'inu, Hashem, please heal me. But you have to do both. And this is the makor. This is the source. The Rebbeinu Shalom saying, If they're going to bishalach paro, if they're going to purge the paro they've taken with them, the passive slave mentality, who is a spectator to their own destiny, and they're going to become in the game, take initiative, viso. Now I find this greatly ironic. We'll get to our pesukim momentarily. Why do I find this greatly ironic? It's in our very parsha. Because what are we going to get to in our parsha? Then we have the miracle. They walk in. Nashon ben Aminadav walks in. By the way, this is a great vort. Why do we stand up and open the door for Elio and Navi when we say when we say Hamascha at the Pesach Seder? Elio and Navi can't climb down the chimney. Elio and Navi can't come in through the window, walk through doors. If Elio and Navi, first of all, could live this long, and Elio and Navi can be at every bris. And Elio Anavi can ever be at every Seder table simultaneously, then he should be able to come down the chimney. Why do I have to open the door? I want to hear a beautiful idea. Elio Anavi is the harbinger of redemption. Elio Anavi is the messenger of the Geula. If you want Geula, you can't sit on your couch watching and waiting. Get up and open the door. If you want the Geula, you have to get up. You want to transform something in your life, stop waiting for others to be the answer. Get up, be so, and you got to do what it takes. Now, where's the irony? Because the sea splits, water crashes down, it kills Pyra, it kills the Egyptians. Moshe and the Jewish people respond, which is what we're going to study momentarily. As Yashir, it's followed up by the women singing. Miriam leads the women in song. Right away, immediately, they have the test of Mara, the water, it's bitter, they complain. Kodesh Baruch who sweetens the water. And then they keep going. The next miracle, they're hungry and the man falls from heaven. And we have the miracle of the man. Two portions fall before Shabbos. We have Lech and Mishnah as a result to commemorate the men who come to the Wednesday afternoon men's kolo. Remember, we've studied in Arve Psachim why Tosos quotes, why we have, why we cover the challah when we make Kiddush. Not because the challah will be embarrassed. That's one reason but more because the mud was covered by a layer of dew underneath it and on top of it. And that's why you need a tablecloth. You can't put the challah right down on the table. You need a tablecloth underneath and you need a challah cover on top because it is Zecher Laman. It commemorates the, the mud. We, um, we then have this uh, story with the water and the end of the parsha it ends with a mullik in a moment. So because parsha's Beshalach has the mud is the beginning of the falling of the man. The Ibn Ezra writes, of all the miracles that happened in the Midbar, and there were many, many miracles. There was the Be'er, the water, the Ananayakavod, the clouds of glory. There was the Slav. There was the Amud Eish. There were incredible miracles that happened in the desert. Says the Ibn Ezra, which was the most impressive miracle? The man. In fact, the man is a symbol of God's revealed hand that in the Aron Kodesh, in the Aron, in the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark that had the Luchos, that was kept in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, that is today, we studied this Shavuos last year, two years ago, that is today in all likelihood buried under Harabayas, in that Aron is a container of Mon, a container of Mon, sitting next to the complete Luchos, 
next to the broken luchos, next to the original Torah that Moshe wrote, sitting in the arrow next to those three items was a container of mon. Really? A little kiddush? A little bread? A little snack? A little mzainas? What was it? What's that doing in the arrow? The answer is, it's a symbol the Jewish people would know sitting in that arrow were those things to look at to see God's revealed hand. So as a result, the tour mentions, the tour encourages us to say Parsha Saman every day. It's a good thing for Segula. The Prisha quotes the Yerushalmi in Brachos that if you, if you say Parsha Saman, then you're assured your livelihood. Chassidah Sherebis have come out and said that the Tuesday, which happens to be today, for those following at home, the Tuesday of Parsha's Beshalach, it's a special school to say Parsha Saman. How many emails did you get today? Last night and today. I got five emails from five organizations. By the way, it's also an extra school if you give them a donation. But five organizations. It's a school for Parnassah, for livelihood. If you say Parsha Saman from our Parsha, the Tuesday of Parsha's Peshawar. You know what's amazing to me? That the very Parsha that earlier the Rebona Shalom says, Matitzakelai. What are you doing with these schoolers? Taberel B'nei Yisrov Yiso. Go out and get a job. The very Parsha where God says, what are you doing putting too much weight in thinking you're going to dive into me or you're going to rely on schoolers and superstitions? Get a job. You know what the best schooler for Parnassah is? Having a job. It's reported to be the number one schooler for Parnassah. So I don't mean to minimize the tour and the Prusha. These are Gedole, Tamita Chachamim and Haposkim. God forbid I would never minimize what they're saying. But when they encourage us to say Parsha Saman, what are they encouraging? When you say Parsha Saman, what are you supposed to think about? You're supposed to think about the Ribonu Shalom created a miracle for the month of fall. When I go to work, whether that deal will come through, whether I'll bring in new clients in business, whether I can bill at the rate I need to bill, whether I'll make what I need to make to support my life, depends on the Ribonu Shalom just as much as the month. It's not supposed to be an alternative to working. The kavah, it's not some heebie-jeebie silly thing, some I say some formula, you know, and I say this formula of Parsha Zaman without even understanding what it is or what it's about, and all of a sudden the Parnassah is going to fall from heaven. The whole reason to say Parsha Zaman is a tefillah. You're directing it as a tefillah to the Ribbonah Shalom. You come to the table Friday night and you have the Lecha Mishnah, the two loaves, we have the man at our table to remind us that whatever I'm about to eat as part of my delicious Suda Shabbos, the delicacies I'm about to enjoy are only due to the grace of the Almighty. Not kochi v'otsim yadi. Yes, I worked hard all week. And yes, I'm proud of what I accomplished to bring in the living that supports this corned beef, which you need to work hard to buy a kosher corned beef. I'm proud of the work I did. But first I make hamotzi over lecha mishnah to remember that the corned beef following is like no less than the man that fell from Shemayim. It comes from Hashem. So Parsha Saman is a tefillah. It's not a superstition. Who, did, who wrote an article earlier this week? I forgot who I saw the quote was. We've turned from an Am Segula to an Am Skulos. We've turned like the Egyptian people were a people of superstition. paro. The Ribbono Shalom wanted to take us out of Egypt and Egypt out of us so that we would turn to and rely exclusively to believe in Hashem. So what do we do? We've gone from the Am Segula. We've gone from a people who are... Why are we a treasured people? Because He gave us mitzvos. We don't need superstitions. We have mitzvos. 
So we've gone from the Am Segula to the Am Segulos. In the very same Pasha, Hashem says, Enough with the superstitions, the silliness. And we should say to Him, but you should not go to work, sit on your couch, say to Him all day, and say, Where's my man? Where's the Parnassah? I want to check at the bank. I'm going to go to Bank of America and my account will go up because I said Parsha Zaman. No, Matitzaki, I close the Tehillim, Visa, and go to work. So it's an amazing irony that the very same Parsha we have both. How does our Parsha end? And then we'll get to our Psukim with the war with Amalek. No soon after do we finally emancipate ourselves from the first enemy. We're freed from the shackles of the Mitzrim. It doesn't take long to have another enemy, Amalek. Amalek attacks us. We studied this in 2011. I happen to look online. So if you want to listen to the Shir, it's fascinating. Vayavo Amalek, what happens with Amalek, what Amalek represents, particularly as we begin to prepare for Purim, which is the continuation of Amalek trying to attack us. Um, why did they hit us in Rifidim? And uh, Moshe tells Yoshua, choose men. Yoshua gets his first assignment. Machar, what's the notion of tomorrow? We went through all of this. But who's involved? Moshe raises his hands and they win the war. He lowers his hands and they lose the war. The famous Mishnah in Rosh Hashanah, which was turned into a wonderful Jewish song by the London Boys Choir, maybe? I don't remember. Do Moshe's hands make victory? Somebody holds up Lahavdil. Somebody holds up Bibi's hands. Uh, we're going to win the Gaza War. They lower his hands and lose the war. Mishnah says, of course not. It's the symbolism of when the hands are raised, they look towards the heaven, you remember Hashem. The hands are lowered. They think it's up to us. Every war we engage in, we have to remember is up to Hashem. Who's holding Moshe's hands? <clears throat> Moshe's arms get heavy. Who holds Moshe's arms? On the one hand is Aaron, his brother. Who's holding the other hand? Chur, says the Torah. Who is Chur? The son of Miriam, Moshe's nephew. You have Chur on the one end and Aaron on the other. So there's an incredible insight of the Orgidal Yahweh of Gedal Yashur, that's how it says. You know what the symbolism is of Aaron? And, and we learn from here, by the way, on a Tainus, that you have no less than three, you ascend the Amud. We learn because Amalek is the, is the origin of, of our fasting. It's quoted in, in Shulchan Arach. Aaron, Moshe, and Chur. Aaron is characterized as what's Aaron's main attributes if you have to associate one character trait he's a Rodev Shalom he's a moderate Aaron is all about peace he makes peace, he pursues peace he advocates for peace Aaron is beloved by the people integrated into the people one of the people Aaron is all about peace Chur how did Chur die? anyone know? When the eagle, when the Jewish people are going to build an eagle, Chur stands up and says, What are you, crazy? An eagle? Idolatry? We just fell in love with the Rebbe just gave us the Torah. And what do the people do? They murder him, they kill him. Chur dies a tragic, tragic death. But he was a zealot. Chur is described by Chazal as a Kanai. He was a zealot. So says of Gedalia Shore, you know how we win our wars? With Achtas, with unity. Moshe's hands are raised by Aaron and Chur working together. The right and the left. The, the, I don't want to put it into any paradigms, but the Aaron and Chur, the zealot and the lover of peace, the Oiv Shalom and the Kanai. When the two sides or the two extremes, the two different agendas can set aside the agendas to hold up Moshe's arms, when we have Achtus, like we saw last summer, 
that the differences were well overshadowed by the unity. Well, of the privilege of hosting the three mothers of the three boys who were brutally murdered, Hashem Yikom Damam, in a couple of weeks for Shabbos. But when, the, when we set aside our differences and we show, we display Achtos, Aaron and Chur can set aside their different agenda and perspective to hold Moshe's hands. That's when we are triumphant. That's when we are victorious. Okay, let's get into the Parsha. What I want to study is Az Yashir. We say it in Davening every day. It's worth our study. Page 374 in the Art Scroll Stone Chumash. Page Perak Tesvav Pasagalaf. Chapter 15, verse 1. Before you see that, just go back a Pasag. We say this in Davening as well. Vayar Yisrael asayarak dolash asa Hashem b'mitzrayim vayiru hamas Hashem vayaminu b'Hashem of Moshe Avdo. The people saw the outstretched hand of God. What He had done in Egypt, they saw God vayaminu b'Hashem. We have to see this pasuk because you have to see what precipitates Az Yashir. What launches it? Vayaminu b'Hashem. They had an unprecedented faith. Emuna keol melech neeman. Amen means keol melech neeman. We live in a world of hiddenness. We live in a world of not knowing. The Makos and this moment, the sea is split. Everything makes sense. Order and purpose and meaning in the universe. And at that moment, the people felt a greater faith, an unbridled faith in the Rebona Sholem more than they've ever felt. Vayaminu Bashem. The word of the root of the word Vayaminu is Emuna, which is the same word we use when we answer a bracha, Amen. The Gemara says Amen stands for Kel Melech Ne'aman. He is the faithful king. It's the difference between Emunah and Bitachon. We use those words incorrectly. Emunah describes the existence of the Rebbe Shalom. His dominion of the world. Bitachon, like the word security. Bitachon in Israel. Ahavtacha is a promise. Bitachon means my belief, not only that God exists, but that all that He does for me is for my best. That every interaction serves me, it's in my best interest. That God is intimately involved in my life in a personal way. This experience of Yitzhiya Mitzrayim was to establish Emunah. The Ramban at the very end of last week's Parsha, but Moskowitz wrote about it last week, I mentioned it last Friday night. Emunah. The Makos were to instill Emunah. We, sadly, are plagued by many who have doubt. Is there a God? I don't know if there's a God. I have doubt. Agnostics and atheists can't see God, can't hear and feel Him. The presence of tragedy, of catastrophe in the world. Is there God? There are moments where the cloud is lifted and the fog dissipates and we see it with clarity. And at that moment where something happens in your life, something that's it's too much to be coincidental, something that is supernatural, the birth of a child, or something works out, or, you know, the fact that yesterday I was pulled over by a policeman for speeding, I was, I had a heavy foot, and he let me off without a ticket. Vayaminu Bashem! I was on my way to do a mitzvah. So while he took my license and registration, I probably should be saying this in the recorder. Let's hope my mother doesn't listen this week. So I said, the policeman takes my license and registration. I sat there, literally out loud, I said, Ribbono Shalom. What happened to Shluchei Mitzvah in Yonizakin? I'm going to do a mitzvah for you, for me. That's what you want me to do. What happened? And the policeman comes back and he says, I'm going to let you off with a warning. I said, oh. <laughs> Shluchei Mitzvah. Unbelievable. When things work out, when you've given up hope with health, with parnasa, with trying to have children, with nachas from children, 
when things work out vayaminu emuna amen, there's a clarity. There's a clarity. I said last Friday night, but it's worth repeating from uh, Rav uh, Volbi Zatzal, the great Mashkiach of Yerushalayim. The Gemara says that if you answer Amen Bekokocho, then you're guaranteed the gates of Gan Eden are opened. So I asked Rav Volbi, what do you mean? Usually it says if you do something, then you're guaranteed a chilek in Olam Haba. You get into the world to come. Why here specifically is a Gan Eden, not the world to come Olam Haba? So Rav Volbi says something fantastic. What was Gan Eden? Gan Eden was a place where Adam and Chava lived with Hashem with no doubt, with no veneer. Nothing was concealed. Hashem wasn't hidden. They had a direct, unobstructed relationship with the Ribbon Shalom, with the Melech Malchei Amlachem. Gan Eden was a place where God's presence was known with certainty and was felt absolutely. So what happens when you answer Amen Bekokocho? When you answer Amen, Keel Melech Ne'aman, when you work on ourselves to know, I have faith, I have knowledge, I can feel God's presence in my life, I know with certainty that God exists, then I've opened the gates of Gan Eden. I've gone back to a time of clarity and certainty that even from my world of doubt, I can access a window into a world of clarity. Keel Melech Ne'aman. That's what the Ramban says is the whole purpose of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim and it's the purpose of every mitzvah. The Ramban at the end of last week's Pasha says, at the core, at the root of every mitzvah is to promote and rework on emuna. It's all about, it's all about emuna. Say, Vayaminu Bashem. That part I get. What's next? Vayaminu Bashem. Ooh. Moshe Avda. We say it every day. In Davening. Does that bother anyone? anyone? Did it ever bother anybody? Vayaminu. They believed in Hashem and they also believed in Moshe. Whoa. Isn't that what we call heresy? Isn't that kfira? What do you mean? They believe in Hashem, I get. That was the point of it all. And if you don't believe in Hashem, then... What? Moshe? Vayamidu Bashem uve Moshe avdo? So the Ibn Ezra is so bothered by it, he says, you're right. It doesn't mean they believed in Moshe. It means they believed that Moshe was avdo. Look at the Ibn Ezra. Shuhu emes. They believe that Hashem is true, Hashem is here. Ve'aminu b'Moshe shuhu avdo. Velo yaserak mashayitzavenu. Not that they believed in Moshe Khalila like a deity. We're monotheists. We believe in one and one only God. Hashem Echad. So what does it mean that believed Vayaminu in Moshe? They believed, says Ibn Ezra, in Moshe that Avdo. They believed that Moshe is God's faithful servant and that prepared them to listen to and accept and embrace whatever Moshe would tell them. Had they not had the experience of believing that Moshe himself is a mouthpiece of Hashem, then they would reject all that Moshe would say following. Vayaminu b'Moshe means they believe in Moshe Avdo. But the Alshech disagrees. The Alshech believes it means Vayaminu b'Moshe. They believed in Moshe. They believed in Moshe. And you know who it was, says the Alshech? The Erev Rav. The b'Moshe Avdo is the Erev Rav. We don't believe in people. We believe there's only one God. Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. That the Uva Moshe Avdo was the mistake of the Erev Rav. But we shouldn't follow in that mistake ourselves. We don't believe in people, we believe in Hashem. What's the reaction? What's the response? Az Yashir Moshe. It's worth learning this section. I see now already we're only going to get a few psukim in. So maybe we'll continue it next year. We have plenty of time. But, um, but it's really worth understanding this, not, for, not only for understanding the Parsha, but we say it in Davani every day, Az Yashir. Mishnah Bura quotes, that's what I was looking for before, I couldn't find it. 
I seem to recall that the Mishnah says that Kola, maybe it was even Shulchan Aruch, that Kola Omer, that if you say Az Yashir every day, Besimcha, if you say Az Yashir every day with joy, then that will bring you redemption in your day. That Az Yashir in the morning should be a way of lifting your day, beginning with a positive, positive approach, an attitude of gratitude and an optimistic approach to your day. So we have to understand Az Yashir. Az Yashir Moshe of Nei Yisrael Sashir Azos Lashem Vayamru Lemor Ashir Lashem Kigau Gaa Sus Virachvau Rama Vayam Moshe and Bnei Yisrael chose to sing to Hashem, and they said, "I'm going to sing to Hashem because He's greater and He's above all the arrogant." Kigau Gaa He is more greater than the Gaa than the Gaiva than those who are arrogant. And how do you know that? He threw a horse with its rider into the sea easily together. So we begin with the az. What does the word az mean? Then. It's a very peculiar word. The Mafarshim here are all bothered. Look at the way the Orachayim begins it. It should describe that Moshe sang. Two anomalies. Number one, why does it say Az then? And number two, why does it say Yashir will sing? It should be. He's saying the Torah is descriptive. It's telling us what happened in the past. It should say Vayashar Moshe. Moshe sang. Why the Az then and Yashir in the future? So Rashi tells us the word Az. Az means when he saw the miracle, the feeling that resulted from experiencing the miracle generated the desire to sing Shira. But Rashi goes on, it's a long Rashi, and Rashi says, you know what the Az is a reference to? Where's the remez? Where's the hint to one of the principles of our faith in the Torah itself? This pasuk, as Yashir Moshe, we will in the future sing. When in the future, when the dead are resurrected, It's an amazing thing that one of the thirteen principles of faith, a prerequisite to being a believing Jew, a prerequisite to joining the Jewish people for converts, doesn't appear in the Torah explicitly, nor do a number of others. But where is there any reference, any hint? Our pasuk. Az Yashir. Why would you mention Tchias Hamesim Davki here? Why would you mention it here? I saw in the Sefer of Yankel Glinsky says, Why would you mention it specifically here? Because we view Az Yashir through the prism of those who survived, who came out on the other end, the miracles of the day of seeing, and their ability to march towards freedom. But you know what we forget? as joyous and as happy as they are, what was the price that was paid to get there? Not only those who lost their their lives in the servitude, in the persecution, the babies who were thrown in the sea, the men and women who were murdered. But what about the fact that only chamushim, what about the fact that only one-fifth, that only 20% left Egypt, 80% of the Jewish people were lost. There was a holocaust. It was a genocide. There's a genocide because of Mitzrim and partially because they chose to stay. The genocide, the Holocaust of assimilation. But that loss, 
So Az Yashir, he suggests that the Az means that even at the moment that you're going to sing for your miracle, Az, you have to remember Tchiyah Samesim. You can't experience your miracle without remembering, while neglecting the price that was paid to get there. He actually describes in his Sefer, it was a Hasidah Shagai in Bnei Brak, but he describes in his Sefer after the Six Day War, a conversation he had with Rav Shach, about the miracles of the Six-Day War, where Rav Shach Zatzal was complaining that with the singing and dancing in the streets, I wasn't alive, the miracle of the Six-Day War, those who were remember that before the Six-Day War, they dug 30,000 graves in Israel. They anticipated a, a, a massacre. There was a... Right, what was the line in Israel before the Six-Day War? The last one out should turn off the lights. This would be the end of the state of Israel. That it would go from 1948 to 67. That was the whole story. And after, in six days it was over, and if you know history, it wasn't six days, it was really over on the first day. It just took five more days to clean up the mess. But six days, an incredible miracle. And Rav Shach said, as joyous and as much as we should sing Shira, there were still people in body bags. There were funerals that were taking place. There was the loss of life. And that's what this Pshat, Az Yashir, Az, Remis Tetchiyas Amesim, that even in the moment of Shira, even where nationally miracles occur, where we see redemption, don't forget the Az, the Tchiyas Amesim, don't forget the price that's paid and those who lose their life to get there. So that's Rashi, a Remes for Tchiyas Amesim. Back to the Orachayim. What's the Az? Lo Yatzarach Lo Mar Az Elav Hayasher Moshe, but Davar Muvan Ki Az Shoru Achen Yechuvan Yechaven Akasov Lo Dienu Achanas Hamusag. Oh, Yerimah's Lamitzah Shemitzah Omer Otamid V'Kavur B'Tfilah Shachras B'Chol Yom The Orachayim HaKadosh Orachayim Benatari gives two interpretations Az Yashir We said two anomalies One, why Az? And two, why Yashir? It should say Az I'm sorry, it should have said Vayashar Moshe sang Nashira So says the Orachayim HaKadosh First of all, maybe the future tense is an allusion to the fact that we're going to say this as part of the Davin Moshe built in the Rebunah Shulam built into the Torah a hint that we would adopt saying Az Yashir daily as part of our davening. That's his second interpretation. But his first interpretation is the word Az then often is a mute. It comes to exclude. So one might have mistakenly concluded Az, yeah. You know what? It's easy to sing Shira on the other side of the sea. When God reveals His presence, when God performs an open miracle in such an illustrious fashion that you can't deny His existence, when you go from about to thinking you're about to die to salvation, yeah, Az, yeah, then it's easy to sing Shira. But me, I live in Boca, I go about my daily life, I go through the daily grind of making a living, taking care of my children, my grandchildren, going to doctor's appointments, keeping up my health, happy I can walk, get out of bed in the morning. I have anything to sing Shira about? So it says the Orachayim, that's why the Torah says, Yashir. This Shira, this feeling, that Moshe and the Jewish people all sang together with unity, with cohesiveness, was not a one-time occurrence. It was not a one-time event. 
but yashir, we will have the capacity ourselves to sing that shira. I was singing shira as I pulled away from the cop yesterday. You sing shira when you've given up hope in a certain sort of halavai, that should be the worst thing that ever happens to me. But you sing shira when you've given up hope in a certain circumstance and things work out and you feel Hashem's hand was in your life. When you, when you amen, emuna vayaminu b'ashem, when you have that moment of clarity and you're overwhelmed, you start humming or singing or tapping your hand. And where does that come from? That shira that comes from the knowledge, that conclusive categorical knowledge that there is a Ribbono Shalom and He's involved in your life and says the Orachayim, Yashir, lest you think that we are incapable of reaching that level, lest you think it was a one-time occurrence, Az? No, Yashir, we too can get back there. Have your antenna up, look around in your life, answer Amen Bekokocho, not only to the brachas you hear, we're not starting our main group on Tuesday mornings, not only to the brachas do you hear, should you answer Amen Bekokocho, but it means living with Amuna. Amen Bekokocho means Amuna Bekokocho. Do all that you can to get back to Gan where you see Hashem's hand in your life. You know, you could drive away from the police and say, oh, I can't believe I got pulled over and I'm miserable and terror. Or you could walk away and say, wow, Hashem just totally, Shulchei Mitzvah Ene Nizakin. Hashem just unbelievable. Choice is up to us, Bekokocho. So when you're Vayaminu Bashem, then Az Yashir Moshe, then Yashir, then we have the capacity. So why Az? Why does it say then? Because what brings upon, what precipitates Shira? The Az. The Az. The sense of Az. At that moment of clarity. At that moment when things are beyond coincidences. Says the Kliyakar. Az Yashir Moshe. Mashaloshar take of Betesim Mitzrayim. Why did it take until now to sing? How come none of you asked that question? Right? Why didn't they sing after the first Makkah, the second Makkah, the eighth Makkah, the tenth Makkah? Why didn't they sing after Chatzos Laila? When the Bechor of Mitzrayim were slaughtered, the morning came, they began to march with the little matzah peckles and the little um, whatever, and they began their walk. Why? Why didn't they sing then? Why did it take the splitting of the sea? Why didn't they sing earlier? Says the Kliyakal, They were still wavering, even after the ten plagues. It was not wholehearted. It was not with a full heart. They were still equivocal. They were still equivocating. So what happens? V'hischa ba'az What's as one on seven? Remez lemalicho yisbarach hashiva kochvei lachas k'moshenemar ki go gaasham izgal kol geim. Moshenemar hashira azos belashon mekeva amru razal shekoshira saolam azen emru belashon mekeva v'vishiyish acharei and sar ken nekevos sheish lem sar leida. V'ochi and nekevos ena notlos belolam azek im yisur nechashem. What's Az, says the Kliyakar? The Aleph is for the Ribbono Shalolam, who is one, Hashem Echad. The Zion is the Shiva Amamim, the seven nations who seek our demise. Az is the one on top of the seven, the one defeating the seven. Az, at that moment of clarity, that however many enemies and whatever they attempt, Aleph over the Zion, then the people had full amuna. Then they were ready to sing. Why does it say Hashira Hazos? Why doesn't it say Hashir? 
Why does it say Hashira? Why Shira? Shira is Nikeva, is the feminine form. Shira is the masculine form. Why is the song Az Yashir described as in the feminine? We say at the Pesach Seder, what do we say? Shir Chadash. We go from saying at the Seder table, I don't know what's going on with this. Sorry. We go from saying Shira to anticipating and longing for the day when we will say a Shir Chadash. What's the difference between Shira and the Shir Chadash? Says the Kliyakar beautifully. The Nekeva, the female form, means that we will yet feel pain. The pain of childbirth. When a woman is in childbirth, she endures the pain because she anticipates the pleasure. She anticipates the gift, the blessing of a healthy child at the end. But she endures the Tsar Leda. She endures the pain of childbirth. Our shear is a shira. We sing in the feminine form because while we experience moments of redemption, we are still in the pangs of childbirth. Mashiach has not yet been born into our world, so to say. And we still have ups and downs in this roller coaster. So therefore it's Shira. It's the feminine form that while yes, we have moments of redemption, those moments of redemption still have Tsar Leda. The Shir Chadash, we long for the day for the Shir in the masculine form when it will not be followed by any pain. When it will be a permanent redemption that is only filled with, with pleasure. Okay, that's the Kliyakar. That's all Pasuk Aleph. Pasuk Beis. What's the Kigoga? Ah, there was a lot more to look at here. But let's get the Pasuk Beis so we can say we learned two Pesukim today. What's Pasuk Beis? Aziv Zimras Ka Vahili Lishua Zekeli Van Veyu Eloke Aviv Menu. The night, the strength and the revenge of Hashem was the Yeshua, it was the salvation for me. Azi, Azi, what's the root of the word Azi? Az, might, strong. The Zimras, Zimras is controversial here, exactly what Zimras means. The different Mephorshim have different suggestions. The word Zemer usually means the praise of Hashem. How does Arsko translate it? Vengeance. Translate Zimra as vengeance. Zomer can also mean to prune. So the strength and the vengeance of Hashem, Vayihili Lishua, they, in other words, God's strength was for me my salvation. And therefore I will point to, this is my God, and I will build for Him, I will build for Him a sanctuary, the God of my Father, I'm going to praise Him. What's going on in this Pasuk? God is mighty and strong, and because of that, I'm going to point to him and say, this is my God. And because he's my God, I'm going to build him something. He's also the God of my father, and I'm going to praise him. There's a lot going on here in this passage. Azi v'zimras ka. We don't have enough time. But look through the Mephoshim, you'll see Rashi, the Svarno, the Ramban, the Orachayim, the Rashban. They all go through, what is v'zimras? Az means might. Az means might. That I understand. But what does v'zimras in this context mean? They all say, okay, we don't have time. But what does it mean, Zekeli Van Veyu? Look at Rashi. Zekeli Bechvodo Nigla Aleim Vayumarin Oso Be'etzma. God's presence was so palpable 
God's presence was so clear, it was an HD, high definition, that they almost pointed with their finger. Zeh, this is my God. Zeh keli. The maidservant on the sea, the average, ignorant, unsophisticated person, saw more than the greatest prophet who received revelation saw. That was the level of clarity. And remember, as Yashir is prophetic, it means we're capable of attaining this. When we answer Amen Bekokocha, when we are Vayamina Bashem, we can get to the level of Az Yashir. We can be the Shifcha Alayam who sees more than Yechezkel Ben Buzi. We can get to that level despite our inadequacy, despite our inferiority to the great prophets, of course. We can become greater than them when we are Vayaminu Bashem. We can get to that level of Zekeli. We can almost point with our finger. Says Rashi, Va'anveyu, Uncle is Tirgame Lashon Naveh. Naveh Sha'anan, Lenevet Zom. Naveh means a home, a house, a sanctuary. Because he's my God. What happens when you have somebody that you really like? Do you want to leave them? Do you want to part from them? You want to stay with them. You build them a home. You say, come home with me. Stay with me. Come over. Come sit with me. So, Zekeli Van Veil. This is my God. I see Him with such clarity. He's been involved in my life. Right? He's the one who brought me Yeshua. By Heli Lishua. This is the one who's the source of my redemption. Zekeli. This is my God. Van Veil. I'm going to build him a home. I want him to spend to be with me, to spend time with me. I don't want him to leave. I don't want him to part from me. Or alternatively, the anveyu is lasho noi. The anveyu alternatively nave can mean I'll build him a home, or noi can mean beauty. Asaper noyav ushvachol levai olam kegon mado dech mido doditzach vadom v'cholnyan. So what is vanveyu means? This is the source of. Hidr mitzvah. This is the source of Hidr mitzvah. To beautify a mitzvah. I can buy a shvach esrog. I can buy a beautiful esrog. I can make kiddush out of a disposable cup. I can buy a beautiful becher. I can light candles out of disposable uh, tea lights. I can get a beautiful candelabra. I can put up a shlaki sukkah. I can build a, decorate a beautiful sukkah. Zekeli ve'anveyu hisnoya lefan of the mitzvah, says the Gemara. How do we beautify God through beautifying His mitzvahs? Sukkana, lulavna, v'chulei. You, you beautify His mitzvahs. The attitude we bring towards the mitzvahs, not as a burden that we want to get rid of, but an opportunity to beautify, because zekeli v'anveyu. If I really believe God is here, then I want to give Him the greatest tribute. I want to give Him the most beautiful gift. I want to be hisna l'fan of the mitzvahs. Zekelu, and therefore v'anveyu. I want to, I want to, Beautify through mitzvah. Says the Svarno, Ve'anveyu, Esen I'm going to build him a home so he can dwell among us. At the moment of clarity that God exists, I want to build a shul. I want a place that I can go and retour, return to, recover this sense of clarity I feel. I want to capture and bottle the Vayaminu Bashem. And how do I capture and bottle the Vayaminu Bashem? Build him a home, says the, says the Svarna. Elokei Avi, he's the God of my father. Says Rashi, who's that? In other words, this God, he's not only my God, but the God of my father, Va'arom Why Elokei Avi? This is a very important Rashi. 
Lo ani tchilas hakedusha. Ela muchzekes veomedes liyakedusha velakuso alai mi me avosai. Rashi is quoting the mechilta, a very important principle. Kind of comes back to what we said from the Tzitzeliezer about Shabbashira at the beginning. What's the danger of thinking I've discovered God? I'm spiritual. I'm from. I'm about tshuva. I'm stricter than my parents. I have the real, authentic God. I'm the genuine brand of Fumka. Says Rashi, Elokei Avi. You have to acknowledge that if you've discovered God, it's because your parents knew God, introduced you to God, involved you with God. Elokei Avi. Lo anitchi l'sakedusha. My generation is not the beginning of holiness and sanctity. Maybe I have the privilege of a greater Jewish education. Maybe I got to go to Israel for the year. Maybe I know more so I can be more strict in halacha. But lo anit chilas hakedusha. I'm not the first. This is not where holiness began. Muchzektes v'omedesli hakedusha. It was given to me and it was established earlier by, by my ancestors. A very, very important ration. Notice the order. First it's Zekeli, and then it's Elokei Avi. Does that remind anyone of anything? What? Shmon Esrei. Exactly. Just like Shmon Esrei. What do we say in Shmon Esrei? Elokei Nu, Elokei Avoseinu. First he's our God, and then he's the God of our ancestors. And why are both of those so important? Where do I see this? That you're a link in a chain. You're not the beginning of the chain, exactly. Where did I see this? The Svarno? Look at the Svarno. Elokei Avi, Elokei Yaakov, Shodia Bomro, Kel Elokei Yisrael, Shunora Begodlo Veshkachoso, Shemidas Arachim Midas Adin. Varom Menu, Beshtachavia Vachna. By bowing and by being humble. So the essence of life is to find meaning and purpose by serving Him. Can't believe I can't find who said this. One of the Mephorshim here pointed this out. That this parallels our Amida, our Shemona Esrei. Why is that so important? Because this is the attitude of Jewish philosophy. On the one hand, I don't just have a relationship with Hashem because of Elokei Avi. Why is it first that He's Zekeli, my God, and only afterwards Avi? Because when our children's relationship with Hashem is exclusively because it's forced upon them by us, what kind of relationship do they really have? They don't. Each individual needs to find their own path to feeling Hashem's hand in their life. Our children can't embrace Hashem because we say that He's involved in our lives. Because we pledged our lives to Hashem. Everybody has to find their own path, their own access, their own entry point. Everyone has to find their own relationship with Hashem. Elokeinu. We begin the Amida Elokeinu. Zekeli. This is my God. Elokeinu. This is my relationship. Keep a little notebook. Yesterday it was because the policeman left me off without the ticket. Today it's because I found the perfect parking spot. Tomorrow it's because I thought something was wrong with my health. It turned out it was fine. Three days ago it's because something worked out in business I never dreamed was going to work out. You keep a little notebook. And the result of that notebook is Zekeli. 
It's my God. I've made the effort of Amen B'Kokocho. I've been Vayaminu B'Shem. And I see God in my life that He's my God. And I owe Him. And I have a relationship with Him because of the very personal, intimate way that He's revealed His hand in my life. But I can't think that that's the sum total. I am not the beginning of religious life. I also have an obligation to what came before me. Because what happens on those days where I can't write anything in the notebook? What happens if I don't see Hashem's hand in my life? What happens when I struggle and falter in making Him Zekeli, the Elokeinu? So then I also have to remember Avoseinu. I also have to remember that He's the God of my fathers, that I am the link of a chain, that I have an obligation to what came before me to continue, to continuity. It's the balance between the Elokeinu Avoseinu. I think it's very instructive to us in terms of chinuch and the education of our children and some of the challenges we find today to encourage that balance within our children, to encourage them to forge their own path and yet to be true and loyal to where they come from. What do we do in our Amidah after we say Why do we say that? Why don't we just say Wouldn't that be more efficient? Why do we say Eloke Avram, Eloke Yitzhak, Eloke Yaakov? It's inefficient. We're wasting words. So the way I understand it is, because not only do I forge my own relationship with Hashem, but everyone has their own relationship with Hashem. The Eloke Avram is different than the Eloke Yitzhak, who's different than the Eloke Yaakov. Not that Chas Vashelem there's more than one God. Of course, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. There is only one God. But just as each one forges their own relationship, God to them is someone different. We have our own image of God, our own relationship with God, our own experiences and associations with God. So he said, So we say, This is my God and I'm going to bottle it. I'm going to capture it. I'm going to build him a home. I want to bottle that feeling. But even those moments where I can't access that feeling, I'll never forget that he's as well. He's the God of my father as well. We didn't get very far. I'll leave you to think about Hashem Ish Milchama, Hashem Shemo, on the next Pasuk. God is a man of war. It's kind of a funny description for the omnipotent being. Ish. Why do we use the term Ish? He's a man of war. What do you mean Hashem Shemo? God is His name. So I'll leave you for that to think about for next year. You only have 364 days to think about it. Have a wonderful week, everybody. Men's Afternoon Kolal, tomorrow 3 to 5, and soon we're introducing a second day. It's going to be Mondays and Wednesdays, 3 to 5.